0: There's no greater feeling. This is such a special honor. And I think it's one of the greatest honors that, of my life, definitely up until this point, to be able to lead this team.
1: This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Here's your host, Grant Bills.
2: alarm anyone. I just I just want to be 100% honest and transparent. It's always a goal of mine on the show. I'm never going to lie for the sake of entertainment or content. I just have to be honest. I am fired up today, okay? I am very excited. I have a lot of energy. I'm sitting crisscross applesauce in the chair in the studio, which I don't think I've ever done. I haven't sat like this since I was like six years old. Why am I doing it? I, I don't know. I have that much energy. I'm that excited for tonight's show, and I'm that excited for this weekend. Packers playing in the NFC Championship game. And not just as a Packers fan, but as a sports fan overall. Both of these games should be awesome. Bills and Chiefs? That's the AFC Championship game? We don't want... I don't want any Patriots. Mm -mm. I I don't want any Steelers or Ravens. No, no, no. We got some new blood in the AFC Championship game. And of course, our Packers are playing before that. So I I just... I am beside myself today. I have a lot of energy, right? And I'm just... I'm... I'm going to be bouncing off the walls now until 6 o'clock. So if you if you don't feel like that, if you're not matching that energy, don't tune out. Just just turn it up a couple of notches. It's Friday. It's almost 5 p.m. What, what are you doing? Get fired up a little bit. Meet me halfway at least. Got to get excited and we got to preview this game. It's our last chance to chat before the weekend. It's the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills and I, I have been waiting for 4 o'clock since I woke up this morning. Tonight's show is going to be a blast. We're going to... Talk about some of the topics that we've been talking about this week, but we're going to come at them from some different angles. I actually want to talk about the injury report for this weekend's game. The final injury report came out for both the Packers and the Buccaneers. We'll talk about uh, what those injury reports mean. The Buccaneers are without a certain player, and I I have a controversial take. Uh, Well, here's the thing. I don't think it's controversial at all, and I'll explain myself coming up at 420. You might find it controversial. It might seem controversial, but I I don't think it is. We're going to talk about injuries and how they might shape this game coming up at 420. Our great friend, new friend of the show, Eric Eager. I am beside myself with excitement that he has agreed to come back this week. He said, hey, if the Packers win, you know, hit me up next week. I'd love to come back. The Packers won. They beat the Rams. So We're going to kind of keep the pattern for good mojo and good luck and also probably learn a bunch from Eric Eager coming up at 435 from Pro Football Focus. Uh, I'm going to bring an old Packers hype song out of the mothballs at 4:50 hopefully you've forgotten about this song it's been about 10 12 years i think since this song was a thing but in the in the sake of or for the sake of being comprehensive i'm going to bring that back up we'll talk a little bit about Ted Thompson as well we're going to just be all over the place tonight all packers i know the bucks lost last night to the lakers in a big game i i don't care i <laughs> I, I don't care we're talking packers today and i would love to hear from you as well 608-796-2558 that's the talk and text line. And you can follow me and tweet me on Twitter at Wisco Grant as well. Lots of ways to send your thoughts in, your opinions. Uh, if you just want to send me a prediction, if you have one uh, detail that you think is going to be important, like, hey, Corey Lindsley, is the key. Watch Corey Lindsay, He's the key to the game. If you have one of those, text it to me. And we're going to get to those probably near the end of the show. So I'll stack them up. I'll save them off to the side and then we'll hit them all at once. Rapid fire. So think about it. Ponder it. Uh, your pick, your score prediction, some detail um, or some take that you have that's unique. Send it to me and we'll get them uh, at the end of the show. 608 7962558 I want to start the show uh, maybe doing something a little bit unexpected. I realize the Packers play in the NFC title game this upcoming Sunday, but we've talked about that all week, right? We've been talking about this Packers team nonstop for the last three weeks, despite them really only playing one meaningful game. And that was against the Rams. And that game really wasn't even all that close. So I thought we would start the show by doing something slightly unexpected. Yesterday, we reacted a bit to the passing of Ted Thompson, and we kind of tried to wrap our arms around it, understand exactly how wide-reaching this death was, and and how many people were impacted by Ted Thompson, and how many people loved and respected Ted Thompson. And you saw that on social media yesterday. Uh, The Packers did press availability later on in the day, or or maybe it was even today today. Besides the point, we didn't get to, to cover that on the show last night. And it, it really was spectacular because everyone who works in some sort of football media, whether they were connected directly to the Packers or not, had something to say yesterday. And I thought we would be remiss if we didn't hear some of these kind words and these tributes, especially from three people specifically. Mark Murphy, Packers president. Brian Gutekinst, uh UWL grad and current Packers general manager. And Andrew Brandt, who used to be in the Packers front office. He's worked as an agent. He does a lot of media stuff. He worked beside Ted Thompson when he got to Green Bay and he was in the draft room when Aaron Rodgers was selected. So each one of these individuals, Mark Murphy, Brian and Andrew Brandt, spoke to the media in one way or another in the last 24 hours. And we didn't get a chance to talk about it last night. So I thought we would listen in to these three individuals and then kind of use that as as a springboard to talk about Ted Thompson, the way this team was built, and maybe how the fingerprints of Ted Thompson could impact this game this upcoming weekend. You understand what I mean? So let's start with our fearless leader, Packers chairman, not an owner, but kind of de facto owner, Mark Murphy, who spoke with media virtually, of course, yesterday, talking about what Ted Thompson meant to the franchise. And they're also going to put his name up in the bowl, so his name is going to be underneath the box windows, which is really cool. This is Mark Murphy.
3: Ted, yeah, uh, you know, I, I he, he really, I just I feel so blessed that I had the opportunity to to work with him. Just one of the more uh, remarkable people that I've ever uh, had the privilege to to work with and be around um, I think the one thing that really stands out to me was just his humility just uh, you know it was never about Ted it was always what's best for the organization and yeah uh, you know, I, I just have such great memories uh, you know and you know, I guess my my uh, probably the the some of the thoughts that come through the most with Ted was, you know, during really very stressful times, you know, either at the super bowl or during the draft and he just had a calmness to him. Um, and it was just a quiet confidence. He certainly, you know, just, just a humble man and, but so smart. And, uh, uh I mean, we all owe a debt of gratitude to him. Just, uh, I mean, you know, you look at, uh, his stamp, uh, is, is on our team now. And, uh, it just, uh, just really um, couldn't, can't say enough good things about that. Just a tremendous person and uh, really will be missed.
2: So that's Mark Murphy, Packers chairman. He went on to talk about how they're going to put Ted Thompson's name up inside the bowl at Lambeau Field, which is cool. There's one comment that jumped out to me, and I think it speaks volumes. The comments about Ted Thompson's humility, right? Because typically when you think of people that are humble, people that showcase humility, you're talking about some, someone who's famous probably. Like some celebrity, some singer, or some professional athlete, or somebody who's in the public sphere. Someone's in politics, right? And they have every reason to be aloof and full of themselves and cocky and and kind of off-putting. And they're not. Like if you, if you ever met, I uh, have a friend who's met a celebrity, and you know, they'll say, "Oh, just so down to earth, so real, you know, so humble, a lot of humility." As the general manager of an NFL team, it's hard to showcase humility. Like what? If I'm judging a general manager of a football team. The characteristic in the front of my mind is not humility. Like, I'm not not thinking about that. But yet everybody brings it up with Ted, right? It was always about the organization. It was always about the team. It was never about Ted, which I find to be a really funny concept because Ted was the organization, right? The idea that it was never about Ted, it was about the organization. Ted's success was directly tied to the organization. So Ted is doing an inherently selfish job because he he wants the team to be good so he can be good and he can stay general manager of the team and he can be successful right and even with that dynamic people still notice Ted Thompson's humility and like it, it would be like if somebody said that I was humble like oh grant it's it, there's so much humility with Grant it, it's never about him it's all about the show it's all about the Wisco sports show well yeah it's my it's my show right <laughs> like of, of course but that would be really tough to showcase humility in a setting like that and yet Ted was able to do it. Everybody who talks about Ted said he was humble. He wasn't self-centered. It was all about the team, which means that he was really above and beyond. He was really, really, really humble because he worked in, a, in, a, in an inherently selfish job, in a selfish position. So that jumped out to me. Next, our guy, BG, Brian Gudikins, UWL grad, WIAC guy, and uh, Packers general manager, most importantly, speaking about the impact of Ted Thompson, a general manager that he worked directly under. Like Mark
0: said, I think, you know, the impact that, that Ted had on this organization, not only our organization, but throughout the national football league with the scouts that have gone on to different organizations. And, um, he's just, was such an impactful person, uh, that, uh, this, this place obviously is, is still benefiting it from today. And, and, uh, it's just been a huge, huge loss. And, uh, Uh, not only as a professional, but like as a, as a, as a friend too, he was such a honest, hardworking, uh, his integrity was off the charts. Um, Mark spoke a little bit about his steady hand. I think that was always the most impressive thing about Ted Thompson. I mean, he was when the tough times came, he was the one that guided the ship. um, And he did it um, because it was always about the team and how the team was more important than anything else. And uh, he was a giant here in this building. um, So there's a lot of, Sad faces, but at the same time, I think uh, you know things that'll that we will carry on uh, with us is uh, substantial. So um, you know, huge loss, but uh, really a time to celebrate a great man.
2: Much like humility, comments about his work ethic that that really speaks volumes to me. Because when you get to that level of that profession, right? Everyone's a grinder. Everyone works really hard. There's only 32 general managers. In the world, there's only 32 people that can sit at that table and answer that phone and make that trade and draft that player. There's only 32 individuals on the planet who can do that job. So they all inherently have to be grinders and they all have to be hard workers and their work ethic has to be insane. And yet, it's in that setting and in that profession that Ted Thompson still stood above the rest. And that blows me away. Ted's ability to stand out even among the best of the best and the hardest working of the hardest working, that speaks volumes to me. And that comes up with everybody who's talked about Ted Thompson since his passing two nights ago. And that's jumped out to me. Uh, One final message, and this might be my favorite, is Andrew Brandt, who worked alongside Ted Thompson in the Packers front office. Then he went on to be an agent and he works in media now. Andrew Brandt's just a really sharp guy. And... He tells the story about when he got to Green Bay and met Ted and, of course, when he drafted Aaron Rodgers alongside Ted Thompson as well. This is two minutes long, but it's a really cool story. And Andrew Brandt, well, as a radio guy, as a communication guy, his delivery and his voice,
4: its you know, he kills it. Just check this out. Just some thoughts on Ted Thompson. What a loss. You know, the Packers. When I first started there in 1999, Ron Wolf brings me down to this office, says, sit here. And I'm sitting next to this guy, this white-haired guy named Ted Thompson. He was never there because they are always scouting. When he was there, he didn't say much. And then he left for Seattle. He came back as general manager. He told me right away, we're not going to sign free agents. Although a year later, we signed a free agent, turned to be one of the best free agents in the history of the sport. Charles Woodson to run one defensive player of the year. Ted was a scout at heart. He was most comfortable in that dark room watching film or bird dogging a player at a college campus. He was all about bringing in players. He was never about himself. He was so selfless. Everything was about the team. Didn't want any credit. And then there was that fateful night, you know, we picked Aaron and my coaches, our coaches on the right of me were like, no, Andrew, we can't do this. We can't take a player. That's not going to help us now. And maybe not next year, maybe never. And on the other side was Ted and Ted said, Andrew, what do we always say? We say trust the board and the board is saying, that's the guy Rogers. We take him. Yes. We have the most durable quarterback in the history of the sport. Yes. It's the last position we need, but let's take him. Let's trust our scouts. Let's trust the board, and we did. And we took a lot of slings and arrows about Aaron, and no one ever thought we'd turn the team over to him. Even when we did, they thought we'd get a stopgap for a year or two, but Ted was always like, that's our guy, we're going there. We're going with Aaron, and so many other picks that Ted made that he was convicted about, whether it's Greg Jennings or A.J. Hawk, or so many of these guys, even Mason Crosby, when our special teams coaches were begging for some other kicker, he had a conviction about Mason. He's a loss. You know, he was a disciplined guy. He was in bed by 8.30. You know, I had to do my free agent signings at night trust my instincts. But he's a loss. You know, he has contributed so much to this team, which is now hosting the NFC Championship game on Sunday. So let's win it for Ted.
2: So the story about the draft is really, really cool. Imagine the glares that they got, that Brant and Thompson got from the coaches. It's like, excuse me, you're you're taking who? And as they pick up that phone and make that selection, the coaches are like, you got to be kidding me. And looking back now, it's the easiest decision ever. Of course you take the quarterback over, I don't know, the tight end. It's like, of course, because the quarterback sets your franchise up for two decades. Okay, yeah, maybe that defensive end helps you win an extra game against Jacksonville in 2006. Right, looking back, it's the easiest decision ever. But at the time, that's a tough one to make. And i I was sick to my stomach hearing that Ted Thompson got pushed back on Mason Crosby. Outside of one year, which I think was 2013, and one game two years ago in Detroit, Mason Crosby has been unimpeachable. While other teams have gone through kicker after kicker after kicker, Crosby is one of the few constants in the league. Probably a constant with Justin Tucker. There are others, but those kickers have moved around. The Packers have stood by him. The buck stops with Mason Crosby. You can rip on draft selections, right? You can you can complain that oh he didn't he didn't sign free agents right? He didn't, he didn't get players to help the team now. Okay, well, yeah, he got Mason Crosby, and that's one thing that nobody can complain about. I won't I won't stand for it. Not at all. Let's take a break. I want to talk about this weekend's game and talk about Packers-Bucks a little bit more specifically. We'll speak with our friend Eric Eager from Pro Football Focus at 435 as well. Coming up next, let's talk about the injury report. A couple names popping up. A couple names are in, a couple names are out, and we'll talk about... Uh, Talk about how that impacts the game. I also have a somewhat controversial take that I'm excited to unload on you. That's coming up next here on the Wisco Sports Show. Wisco Sports Show rolling on. Happy Friday. Championship Friday. Green and Gold Friday. Go Pack Go Friday. Football Friday. Whatever you want to call it. Talking Packers, and I am am jacked, jacked up today. Not just because it's Friday, but the Packer game is, I can taste it. It's on the tip of our tongue coming up on Sunday. And it's just, of course, excited to be done with the week, as always. 608-796-2558. You can reach out uh, and join the show that way, as Steve does. Uh, Steve says, just getting done with work. I'm right there with you, Grant. I'm fired up. Let's go. I got my earbuds in, listening on my iPhone. And the wife says, "If you want, I'll listen uh, with you." Alexa, turn on KTY. All good here. Steve and his wife—it's just a couple's activity, listening to the show. I'm—I'm I'm glad I can be a source of a uh, of romance for you, Steve and your wife. Thanks for listening, as always. You can tweet at me at Wisco Grant. Our next guest coming up at 4:35 at Twitter uh, at PFF underscore Eric. That's Eric Eager, and he will join us on the talk and text line. Coming up at 4.35 from Pro Football Focus. Very excited to get his thoughts on last week's game briefly, but of course look ahead to Championship Weekend as well. Before we get to Eric, I, I want to talk about the injury report a little bit. Because the final injury report dropped for both the Buccaneers and for the Packers today. And I couldn't help but laugh a little bit. Because the Packers brought in Tremont Williams. And when they signed him, was it official yesterday or the day before? It Doesn't matter. Sometime this week. I don't know the exact timeline of things, when things became official and when they just brought him in for a visit or worked him out or, or whatever. When Jermon Williams became official, we all thought the same thing. He's like, well, that's a great depth piece. You know, even if he doesn't play, he's a good leader in the locker room. And maybe, you know, he could return a punt if you really needed somebody, which is something the Packers need desperately. So, all right, great signing, great signing. But it was all about depth, kind of as a reserve uh, a piece and a player on the fringe a little bit. And of course, the, the second, the moment a team gets any slice of depth, That depth is typically pushed into action right away. Kevin King popped up on the injury report today with a back issue. He didn't practice. Now, Matt Lafleur said he's going to give him today, tomorrow, and hopes that he's good Sunday. So it's not all doom and gloom, but it is questionable. Um, And, of course, as soon as they bring in Tremont, you know, one of their starting corners it has got to go down. I've experienced this countless times where I buy a backup phone charger, and the second that I have that second phone charger, I lose the first phone charger. Have you experienced this? I I can't imagine I'm the only one that's gone through this, right? I'm I'm living on the edge with only one phone charger. You lose that thing, you are SOL. So I get another one. But as soon as I have two, then I have freedom to be kind of liberal with my first phone charger. Maybe I'll leave it plugged in at a friend's house or leave it at work. And all of a sudden, that first phone charger is gone. And the depth that I had, the insurance policy that I had in those two phone chargers, it's gone. And that's kind of what happened to the Packers. Really, not at all, but kind of in my... In my mind. <laughs> Other than Kevin King and I guess David Bakhtiari, the Packers appear pretty healthy. Kingsley Kiki is out, which I think is a lot less significant now that Snacks Harrison is on the team. Maybe a couple of weeks ago, that would have been a bigger deal, but by and large, the Packers are pretty healthy. The Buccaneers are getting healthier too. They're getting Vita Vea back, their stud nose tackle, and that's a big gift for them against Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones, and this Packers team no doubt is going to want to run the ball to take some of that weight off of Aaron Rodgers, who had a whale of a time with this defense when they played back in week six in Tampa? I think the Packers establishing a running game, even if they're even if they're not running for two hundred and fifty yards, even if Aaron Jones isn't, you know, hitting sixty-yard bombs, I think they do need some semblance of a running attack just to to get their offense going. I think once they get the ground game going a little bit, then the pistons start turning and the engine starts turning, and then the bootlegs and the play actions and the mesh concepts and, and the down the field shots that all starts to fall into place. And Vita Vea is a huge component of that defensive line and an important piece against Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams and A.J. Dillon if he wants to get involved too. However, Tampa Bay is going to be without uh, a stud player on offense. As they get Vita Vea back, Antonio Brown is out. Bruce Arians announced that today. So no Antonio Brown. Vita Vea back for the Packers. Kevin King questionable. David Bakhtiari obviously out and Kingsley Kiki out. That's that's kind of the, the long and short of it. That's all you really need to know. Antonio Brown missing this game. That's what I want to talk about. And I am going to tiptoe the fine line of insensitivity here. So please bear with me as I explain myself. Normally, fans don't like to see injuries. So let's say if the Packers were playing the Vikings and Adam Thielen's hurt. Typically, Packers fans would say, oh, hate to see that. You know, I'd, I I want to see both teams at full strength. I I want the Packers to win, but I want the Packers to beat the Vikings at full strength. You never want to see injuries. You never want to see guys miss games, miss matchups. That's typically the line of thinking, even from opposing fans when a certain player gets hurt. But I will be 100% honest about this as I always try to be on the show. I'm glad Antonio Brown isn't playing. I I will sleep like a baby tonight and tomorrow night knowing that Antonio Brown isn't playing in this game because I don't think he should be in the NFL period. I will lose zero sleep over Antonio Brown not playing in this game. There is no, well, I want both of these teams at full strength and oh no, I hate to see injuries. Well, I don't want anybody to be in pain and I don't want anybody's body to be injured, but I'm glad Antonio Brown isn't playing in this game. I I am in no position to judge anyone or anything. Um, Jesus, if you're a Christian, I'm sure you're familiar with the Bible verse in the 8th chapter of John where he says, hey, let he who is without sin cast the first stone. Basically, like, hey, if you're going to judge someone, if you're going to, you know, roll someone over the coals, you better be, you know, you better be high and mighty. You better be perfect. And of course, no one was without sin, which is the whole point of of that parable or no, that wasn't a parable. That's that was an actual story of Jesus. Right. And I'm not without sin. I'm far from it. But I can 100 percent say for certain with a hand on the Bible, I don't have one in here. I guess I have a I have a bottle of Perrier and I have my headphones. So that's all I really have to put my hand on. I can say 100% that I have not thrown furniture out of a 14th-story apartment window almost hitting a toddler. Now, my apartment is only 2 stories and I always look for kids before throwing my furniture out the window, so I'm a little bit more responsible than Antonio Brown. Right, I have never sexually assaulted a personal trainer or an employee at my workplace. Right? I have never been charged with assault, battery, or burglary. Antonio Brown kind of hit the trifecta with those. I have never yelled racial slurs at my boss. I have never showed up late to work in a hot air balloon. I'm always late for work because I can never find my keys in the morning. Right? I Like, I'm glad Antonio Brown isn't playing in this game. I don't think he should be in the league. I don't think he should get to be in the league. And to be quite honest, I think if he was on a team without Tom Brady, and, and he didn't kind of just slip and hide his way into what is the equivalent of an NFL super team. I don't I don't think fans would really be down with it. But I think because he's on the Bucks and that's kind of how that team was put together, we look past it. No. I'm glad Antonio Brown isn't playing. Screw Antonio Brown. I hope he I hope the Packers beat the Buccaneers this weekend and I hope Antonio Brown never plays in an NFL game again. And I hope he gets help and he is able to lead some sort of a normal, stable, non-violent life. But I'm glad he's not playing this weekend. It makes me happy. I don't want him to be hurt. I don't want him to be in pain. But I'm glad he's not playing in this football game. I hope the Packers beat the Buccaneers this weekend. And I hope Antonio Brown never plays a snap in the NFL ever again. Which I think would be the case if he tried to sign on with just about any other team. But like, oh, Tom will take him under his wing or whatever. Something like that. I, I don't know. I'm glad he's not playing in this game. And I won't apologize for that. If you disagree, hey, that's fine. But that's just my opinion. We're going to take a break and talk to our friend, Eric Eager. And I can say friend because this is his second time on the show, which makes him an official friend of show. Eric Eager from Pro Football Focus will join us coming up next. Talking Packers and Buccaneers. Now until six o'clock here on the Wisco Sports Show. show rolling on. Happy Friday, football Friday, green and gold Friday, championship Friday, whatever you want to call it. Talking Packers, Buccaneers from now until 6 o'clock. I know the Bucks lost to the Lakers last night. I, I do not care. I, I don't care. We're we're talking Packers as they try to get back to the or to their first Super Bowl in a decade. 608-796-2558. That's the talking text line, and I see that we have some texts, and I see that we have some tweets too. You can find me at uh, at Wisco Grant. But I will get to them coming up in about 15 or 20 minutes because we have Eric Eager from Pro Football Focus on the line. And I have a lot of questions for Eric, and I'm already concerned that I'm not going to get to them all. So let's not waste time. Eric, I'm glad to have you back. First, because you came on last week and the Packers won. So I feel like I got to keep that going. And I do have to tell you, because I know you're a Chiefs fan, so you're probably experiencing something similar. Last Saturday night, this is excited as I have been about the Packers in a long time, probably since 2014. And I was in high school in 2014. So like I... I was watching the Packers, I was enjoying them, but I don't know if I really appreciated how good that team was in 2014. Like, after the game on Saturday night, I, I wanted to go out. Like, I wanted to go out and party, and I couldn't. And I think I've just had this pent-up excitement all week, and maybe you're experiencing the same thing.
1: It's weird, because, um, you know, I, I've i been a Chiefs fan since I was in grad school in 2009, you know, 10, 11. And, you know, they had last year, you know, I it gradually got to the point where, you know... They're so good. I can kind of, kind of finally feel as how Packers fans felt maybe a decade ago, <laughs> where like in the average, I could, I couldn't even get myself all that nervous for an average game in the regular season. Like I think the last time I was nervous was Week Three against Baltimore for the Chiefs, and then they won that game. I, you know, I got to say I bet a ton of money on the Chiefs mm-hmm. plus three in that game. And then last week I was nervous because everybody loved the Browns and all this kind of stuff and. Um, and then they got out to a 19-3 lead, and then Chad Henney, you know, Patrick Mahomes got hurt, and and I didn't like. I remember just at the end of the game, just being like exhausted, you know, yeah. watching that game. And I I actually messaged one of my friends who who's uh, you know in the in a C a C suite position with the Chiefs. I go like I can't imagine what it is for you, and like he felt the like he had the exact same reaction. So it was very much a weird weekend for Chiefs fans because. You know, not only were we worried about winning that game, but we were worried about having the you know, the previously league MVP uh, playing this week. But luckily for the NFL and luckily for Kansas City fans, Patrick Mahomes is cleared today. So we're going to get all the great players in this week's weekend, mm-hmm. uh, starting obviously uh, with the, the afternoon game with Tampa Bay versus Green Bay.
2: Well, and the Chiefs game kind of followed the same mold as the Packers game. Like maybe it got hairy in the middle, but then Matt Moore completes the pass on fourth down and Andy Reid's a genius. And how could you ever doubt the Chiefs? And then, of course, the Packers pull away at the end of the game against Los Angeles. And I like, I want to start by looking back at last weekend's game. I think the most likely outcome of Packers Rams was Packers take a lead and Jared Goff and the Rams are not able to mount a comeback. They're just not good enough. And that's exactly what happened even though that game kind of played out as we thought, did anything surprise you about that game? Did you learn anything about the Packers offensively, defensively, coaching? Like, what do you take away from that game, if anything?
1: Well, I, I like LaFour's pragmatism as far as running. You know, he ran the football um, when it suited them, you know, from a box count perspective. Uh, they did a great job. I think it was like something like two yards before carry, uh, you know, before contact, um, you know, and, and to just sort of uh, reference that with the game immediately after, the really good Ravens running off. It's only had less than one yard before contact running the football against Buffalo. So it was a very good game by them. They blocked it up really well. They protected Rodgers for the most part. I know Aaron Donald was maybe a little bit more hurt than we thought he was. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was, it was a very good game by green Bay. And even, you know, to the point where like, I don't think the Rams would have ever stopped the Packers had the Packers secondary receivers hung onto a couple footballs, you know? So, it probably could have been even worse if you were a Rams fan there. Um, so, you know, not a lot to complain about if you're Green Bay. This week weekend's game will represent, I think, uh, a, a different challenge. I don't know how much of a harder challenge. Obviously, on the offensive side of the ball, the, the, the Buccaneers are really good, but they're missing Antonio Brown. And on the defensive side of the ball, I think the Bucks are a little bit worse than what the Rams are.
2: Yeah, well, you mentioned Matt LaFleur and his pragmatism, which I have now Googled just to make sure. So I, I feel like I have my mind wrapped around, around what you meant. So let's let's talk about Matt LaFleur, because in reading your stuff this week, uh, both with you and George and, and others at Pro Football Focus as well, you seem to think that this is a huge coaching mismatch, which is saying something because I think you and some others at Pro Football Focus have been a little bit slower to really praise Matt LaFleur because everybody jumped on him last year, 13-3, and three, that team probably wasn't as good as their record indicated. So you guys have been a little bit slower to embrace Lafleur. But if you think that this is a mismatch with Lafleur and Arians, that must really mean something. What does Matt Lafleur do better than Bruce Arians, and how does that coaching imbalance shape the outcome of this game this weekend? Do you think?
1: Well, I think he. I think he uses all four downs, which is a big deal this time of year. Arians punted uh, on a number of fourth and shorts over the course of the season, uh, and especially over the course of the playoffs. Um, but you know, also when you look at this team and and granted Green Bay is extremely talented, um, but they're without their left tackle. They don't have, you know, what, what they don't have nearly the receiving depth that a team like Tampa has. Um, you know, they, and Aaron Rodgers, you know, during the end of the McCarthy area was, you know, probably closer to an average quarterback than he was closer to an elite quarterback. Mm -hmm. And now, you know, you, you turn the thing over two years. I mean, this is, you know, no one's been as good of LaFleur out of the gate since like George Seifert for the 49ers in the early in late 80s, early 90s. So he's really turned the team around. Last year they had the point differential of about a 9-7 and seven team. This year they're, they are have, you know, much better. Uh, and even though they've only beaten three teams with a winning record, they've been more convincing, I think, in the victories than many uh, than they, they had been last year. They relied less on being a good red zone defense and had just been a better defense throughout the, 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 the field. And, you know, with players like J.R. Alexander, I mean, Alexander was the most valuable defensive player in the regular season. He followed it up by allowing negative three yards into his coverage uh, on Saturday against the Rams. So you're looking at like a, you know, just a really, you know, well-rounded team. And I think a team that's built in LaFleur's image and he's done a great job. And, you know, it, what I said was, you know, LaFleur is like the fourth best play caller in our ranking. Uh, you know, Arians, you know, left, which they're in like 10th or so. But it's really more about, like, LaFleur well, will go for a fourth and one. I mean, we've we, we seen him do it last year against Kansas City in the Matt Moore game. We saw he'll do that, and, and they'll and they'll win that way. Um, whereas Arians, I think, goes, quote, by the book, which is a losing strategy in today's NFL.
2: I'm really hoping for a lot of checkdowns to Leonard Fournette, because I just know one of them's going to go right off his hands, pop up right up into the air, and somebody like Christian Kirksey. Like, there's a ready-made turnover just waiting if we can just get enough checkdowns to Leonard Fournette. So I do agree with with you on Bruce Arians. Eric Eager, Pro Football Focus. You can find him on the Forecast pod. You guys did a really good pod with Aaron Nagler this week. And I know you had him on earlier this season, and I was excited to see that you brought him back, right, to talk about how the season actually went, and then to look forward to this weekend's games as well. He cited that Tom Brady was his biggest concern, which, like, is natural. Tom Brady should concern everyone. He's won a bunch of Super Bowls. But specifically for this Packers team in this weekend... What challenges are presented by Tom Brady that weren't necessarily presented by Tannehill, Trubisky, or, or say, Jared Goff last weekend?
1: Well, I mean, Goff has been one of the more, you know, sort of conservative quarterbacks in the entire NFL this year. You know, his average depth of target, I'm trying to find it, was below seven yards, whereas Brady's average depth of target is over nine yards, which is, you know, basically his career high. Um, You know, we've only been charting him since 2006, but, you know, Brady... I mean, when you look at, not you know, he's 30% of his passes are positively graded by us. Um, That's five percentage points more than Rodgers. Um, You know, 6% of his throws get our highest grade. Rodgers more around seven. So he's playing, like, at a level, you know, I wouldn't say he he hasn't limited mistakes as well as as Rodgers does. I mean, Mm -hmm. 14% of Brady's throws are negatively graded. Rodgers is more around that 8% range. But he's been, you know, people had questions about, you know, how could you go from a New England offense that was more dink and dunk, to an offense like uh tampa bay's and the answer is, is he's acclimated extremely well uh and those receivers there have really uh you know even though they've had some drops i think specifically chris goblin over the past few games have, have hurt his statistics he's played i mean about you know he has our highest grade since their bye in week 13 so he he's had a great season so I, aaron's right that this is this is the guy that should worry packers fans the most especially you look on the defensive side of the ball, Vita Bay is coming back from injury, mm-hmm. and Winfield Jr., uh, the son of a former Vikings defensive back, uh, he got put on the injury list today. Uh, is questionable for the game. I, I am more afraid, of, if I'm a Packers fan, I'm more afraid of Tampa Bay's offense, and I'm specifically worried uh, about what Brady can do down the football field.
2: Okay, well, let's talk about Tom Brady really, really quickly. I'm going to become dangerously close to being a fan here, and I might lose objectivity, so call me on it if I do. I don't... I don't want to come across as a total Packer homer and as a hater of Brady. I just want to be, like, let's be comprehensive. Everyone has argued this week that Tom Brady, like, knows how to play in the cold. He's played in the cold forever. And and I don't necessarily disagree with that. I don't think it will affect him. But I do have to point out that the last time we saw him in a playoff game in the cold, he finished 20-37 for 200 yards, no touchdowns, and a pick. Like, I really can't get that game out of my head. And I think a lot of people have forgotten about that. Now, I'm assuming you're going to tell me that that was a product of the circumstances and not Tom Brady, but I did want to bring that up and, and get your thoughts on it.
1: Well, I, I mean, I think that we, you have to worry more, more about the the fact that Brady has spent the last you know nine months of his life in Tampa Bay, uh, where the weather this week is in the 60s and 70s and Green Bay, you know, as you guys know, is in the 25 to 35 range. Um, that acclimation is not you know, trivial, and while it might be an easier acclimation for Brady since he's made it before in his career, it's not going to be easy for the rest of the Tampa Bay players. So I do think Green Bay does have a home field advantage in this one that's different um, than what we've seen, you know, sort of around the NFL this year. How big that's going to be, um, you know, I'm not exactly sure, um, but, uh, you know, I I do think it's going to be a non-trivial sort of advantage for Green Bay, you know, with that home field, with the weather.
2: Gotcha. Eric Eager, Pro Football Focus. Uh, one final question, and this is something that I have talked a lot about this week. And my my perspective as a fan is probably a little different. It's certainly different than yours. Like, I never even played seven-on-seven. Seven. Like, I've never played competitive football at any level, and I certainly don't cover the game like you do. Like, I try to point out things that stand out to me, and then I, you know, write takes, and I talk about them, and we have discussions. This is what I've noticed with NFL defenses right now. Teams have been building through edge rushers, especially and everybody wants to get a shutdown corner. And then if GMs get lucky, like they find one elite defensive tackle. Like they want a Kenny Clark or a Fletcher Cox or a Grady Jarrett or, or an Aaron Donald, ideally. But he's kind of one of one. Most defenses aren't really building around inside linebackers. Like there's a couple of teams. The Vikings have a, a good pair. The Niners have Greenlaw and Warner. And then the Buccaneers have Levante David and Devin White. I, I guess I want to get your thoughts on... The unique challenges that are presented by a defense with elite inside linebackers because there aren't very many of them in the league or maybe I'm way off base here and if so please correct me
1: it's a great question I think you know unfortunately inside linebackers you know because of the way that most of us grew up watching the game I think that they're much like running backs in that they probably get more credit than individually than they deserve in that it's almost all you know a product of who's in front of them much like the running back is and you know, with, with Devin White, it's like, you know, if you look at his coverage statistics, they're not particularly good. I mean, he's given up over 700 yards into his coverage, you know, 110, 120 passer rating, but he does a great job blitzing. He's second in the NFL, or he was in the regular season as far as getting pressure on blitzes. Um, he's, you know, a fairly good, you know, he's fairly good at getting, you know, tackles for loss. He's kind of a, a boomer bust player, I think, the Packers can take advantage of with the running backs out of the backfield. But, you know, that, that's, I think, really it. You look at the, some of the really smart teams in the NFL, um, you know, Green Bay, for instance, uh, the linebackers for Green Bay are not heavily touted. They they let a guy go uh, in Blake Martinez that another team gladly paid a lot of money to. To me, that's a sharp move, right? Uh, you know, you let other teams overvalue some of those players. Uh, Kansas City uh, and Buffalo, two teams, again, the Buffalo used a high draft pick on an inside linebacker, but they don't pay their guys very much. No one in the front seven for Buffalo makes top 20 money uh, at their position so you know to me it's it's more I think Tampa Bay maybe overvalued that position a little bit and they're getting you know decent results at times with White and and Levante David who I think is a much better player than White is um, but I think it comes obviously at a cost and the cost is that you have them out there all the time and other teams can exploit his weaknesses.
2: Yeah, I think it makes a lot of sense, uh, Eric. I I gotta say before I let you go, last week you mentioned a couple of your favorite spots here in Lacrosse and downtown Lacrosse because you spent some time here, and we have a lot of mis- listeners in Madison as well, so there's no shortage of of good spots in Madison. But I gotta say, when the Packers won this last Saturday, it was tough to resist the urge to go out and celebrate. But I did because I'm not trying to get sick right now. If they keep winning, it's going to be really, it's gonna be really, really tough. I don't know if I'll be able to.
1: I spent some summer weeks in Madison. Ale Asylum is a, a very solid place. Uh, I can't remember. God, I got to remember that hotel that I stayed in downtown. Um, that the that's so nice there. But Madison's a be- beautiful place as well. There's not, you know, I think if, if you think about uh, the state of Wisconsin, Lacrosse is obviously a jewel, but Madison's great as well. Uh, yeah, it, it'd be, you know, I I can't remember where I was for some of these, you know, some of these places. Did, uh, mm-hmm there there's so many great places in lacrosse i don't even want to list them out for fear of leaving some out
2: yeah no i, I feel that i wish i could shout out my favorite places but then you know the sales they're like well don't give out free pub to bar so we got to be a little careful eric enjoy. i should i should, go I ahead i
1: before i should ask you before who is who the sponsors were and then i could have shouted them out <laughs>
2: perfect yeah we'll do that next time eric if the packers keep winning of course i'd love to have you on and enjoy your chiefs this weekend and, and good luck on your bets as well
1: Thanks Grant. Thanks for having me on and uh, have a great weekend and enjoy the games. They should be great.
2: Yeah, they should be. Thanks, Eric. That's Eric eager, Eric underscore eager on Twitter, or excuse me, PFF underscore Eric on Twitter. Uh, The grand poobah of all the numbers at at pro football focus and uh, has spent some time at UW lacrosse as a professor and um, just a very sharp guy. And I love getting his opinion. So let's take a break. Uh, I'm going to bring something out of the mothballs. Uh, I'm going to bring back a Packer hype song that I don't know if you maybe haven't heard it in in 10 plus years because that's about how long that it's been since I've heard it. But I pulled it out today and God, I got hyped. So we'll do that coming up next here on the Wisco Sports Show. Friday, Packers Friday, Championship Friday. My name is Grant Bills, and I'm glad you were here. I'm fired up. I'm fired up. Big thanks to Eric Eager, by the way, before we move on from Pro Football Focus. Now that we're done with that interview, I, folks, I want the objectivity thrown straight out the window. Like, get rid of it. I want to be fans. Bring the Tom Brady slander, the Aaron Rodgers goat takes. I need it.
4: No nonsense. Feel the power from
2: the stands. And I had to bring this song back. This, when, did the, when did they stop using the song at games? 10, 11 years ago? I remember I, my first game I went to was in 2009. It was a very forgettable Monday night game against Baltimore. And I, I think, wh- how old would I have been in 2009? 11, 12 years old? And I'm pretty sure when they played the song, I was still like, what the, the heck? What is this? G-Force. G-Force. Some text coming in on the talking text line, 608 796 Our friend Brett called it. He said, G-Force? Yes, G-Force. Uh, Dave from Monona says, if you take away Tom Brady's first look, you will destroy Tampa Bay. Appreciate the text, Dave. If you pressure Tom, if you just make him uncomfortable. Yeah, I, I agree with you and appreciate the text. Todd says, go Buccaneers. Well, okay. Well, you're a Tampa Bay fan. I'm not going to hate that. Can't mess with the G-Force, though, Todd. We need to be the most obnoxious show and the obnoxious fan base for the next hour. We have an hour left of the Wisco Sports Show, and I, I really want to be annoying and obnoxious. Like I, Let's get unrealistic. Let's talk about how Aaron Rodgers is the greatest quarterback of all time, and Tom Brady is a system, system, system quarterback. Like that's what I want for the next hour. I, I'm glad that I brought this song back, because I, I know a couple of other shows. Our friend Bart Winkler who does a show in Milwaukee, is always blasting this song, and it cracks me up, and I thought, you know what, if there was ever a day to, to bring this song out. But this song is, of course, up there with Packers, you know, uh, standbys, like the Tundra line, which I guess still exists. I texted a, uh, a friend today who I know goes to a lot of Packer games, which I really don't, and I was like, yeah, and I was told him, like, yeah, I think I'm going to start listening to G-Force. And I said, you remember the Tundra line? He's like, yeah, that's still a thing. is Does the Tundra line still exist at Lambeau? Like that's, I mean, that's just incredible. That's right up there with Eddie J's I Love My Green Bay Packers. You know, the Packer polka, Poca Poca Poca. You know, very big in Sheboygan polka. A lot of good Packer songs. I didn't, I, I don't have that song ready. Maybe we'll get to it in the next hour. I love my Green Bay Packers. Yeah, this this last hour of the show is going to be an absolute blast and a half. I want this show and I want our Packer conversations to become an echo chamber for the final hour. I want to become so entranced in our Packers fandom that we become like a conspiracy theory Facebook group, like total echo chamber. No objectivity for the next hour or so. And a lot of texts, a lot of calls. I see Brett says, hey, you got to give me 15 minutes. I will call. All right, Brett, I'll pencil it into the schedule. I will pencil it in. Rug texts in and says, I still have a G-Force towel. You have a G-Force towel?
4: men on the defense. We take no nonsense. Fear the power from- the stands, every
2: woman child and man we have a we have a rock station in our building 957 the rock and I sent the afternoons guy Decker I sent him this I was like you guys should play this because it kind of goes in like not in a good way but I like I guess I don't really like hard rock and shred metal like that so I guess I'm like I would be the outlier on a rock station but are you kidding me you could slide that in absolutely you could slide g Force in just tuck it in between five finger death punch and system of a down and maybe like some guns and roses tucked in there too. I mean, who, who even bats an eye like that would fit in perfectly. And it's perfect for this weekend and per getting ready for the NFC championship game. Let's take a break. Coming up next hour. I have some, some takes that I'm excited to bring to the table and I want to hear from you as well. And I brought in some memorabilia. I brought in some title towels and some old uh, sports illustrated uh, issues with Packers on the covers from 90 from the 90s. So I want to talk about that and, and kind of just soak in today and, and soak in the NFC Championship game. That's coming up next after 5 o'clock here on the Wisco Sports Show.